Today's scripture reading is from Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, On the other hand, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him. And behold, angels came and began to minister to him. This is the word of the Lord. Have you ever pretended to be happy? Pretended to celebrate? Someone says, hey, how are you doing? And you say, I'm great. I'm doing good. But you know it's a lie. In preparing for this week, which is Celebration Sunday, much of this week I did not feel like celebrating, even though it was Christmas. Many times in our life we find ourselves at conflict, where we say one thing, but our heart believes something different. Do you feel like celebrating the new year? Do you feel like celebrating your performance from this past year? Was this your best year at work ever? Was it your best year at home? What about school? Was it your best year at school ever? Did you prove yourself to everyone around you by showing them that you improved this year? Do you absolutely have no regrets about this past year? What about this? Do you feel like celebrating because the world has finally noticed how great you truly are and they're singing your praises. Are you ready? People now know, even strangers come up to you and say, you know what, you are my hero. You're now more popular than you ever thought imaginable. When you go places, people stop you because they recognize you. Your popularity has skyrocketed. Is that you? What about this? Are you feeling like celebrating because you have all the possessions in the world that you've ever wanted? You finally, after Christmas, have everything your heart has ever desired. You've got the newest phone on the market, and for the next three months, it will be the newest. You have the best apartment possible. You've built your dream home this year. You have the most beautiful girlfriend or boyfriend or wife or husband. I actually have that one. He does too. What about this? Do you have the most impressive, highest-paying job you thought imaginable? You have everything you want. So what are you celebrating this year? 
you know, I, I want to give us, or I think the reasons for celebrating are fluctuated in our lives because we categorize into three categories. For today, there are probably more. But for today, in the text we're looking at, there are three categories in which we measure whether we should celebrate or whether we should not. The first one would be performance. How did we do this year? Did we measure up against others? So if you're taking notes and you want to write that down, you can write down performance. The second one would be popularity. Do people know you and appreciate you and value you for who you are? Performance, popularity, and the last would be possessions. Finding value and worth. I feel like celebrating because I finally have everything that I want to have. I want to give us, from those categories, three reasons why you don't have to feel like a hypocrite when New Year's Eve comes and you're celebrating. Because if you look to those categories, I think we're going to feel like a hypocrite. I don't think anyone is excited about everything they've done this past year and feel like they just hit the nail on the head every time. We have high points and low points. But I think I can give us, from this scripture... God shows us three ways that we don't have to feel like a hypocrite and we can truly celebrate tonight, tomorrow night, New Year's Eve, and all of next year. I want to celebrate. So look with me here. Matthew chapter 4. The scripture was just read for us. This is the story of Jesus being tempted in the desert by Satan. The first reason that we see from this scripture, or we will see in just a minute, is in regard to performance, having to prove yourself. So the first point is this, that we are proven through Christ's work. That'll be number one on the list. We are proven through Christ's work. So if we're looking to our performance and how we measured up, then we're going to often fall short of celebration and maybe fall into depression. But Jesus, in this moment, he had just finished his baptism, which we looked at last week, and just started his earthly ministry, and immediately he was led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness. Not to be blessed with this new starter ministry of being a student pastor somewhere at a small church, but he was led out at the beginning of his ministry to go out and face the worst of all enemies, the devil himself, to prepare him for his ministry. Look with me in Matthew chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. And the tempter came and said to Jesus, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. At this moment of Jesus' ministry, he had just begun. He was not proven. He hadn't done much of anything other than a few impressive moments as a child. The first temptation the devil threw at him was a temptation for Jesus to find value in his ability to do work, his ability to perform. He was saying, if you're the son of God, use this opportunity to prove yourself and show your value and show your worth. And Jesus replied, the temporary won't satisfy. What I need is the permanent. Now, we're tempted in this way, too, to prove ourselves the way Jesus was. We want people to know that we're valuable. People ask us all the time, what have we achieved? Well, what do you do for a living? Um, How are you showing your usefulness to this world? They wouldn't say those words out 
right, but that's what we want to know is like, what value do you have as a person? And we feel this pressure to show them, here's what I'm contributing to my neighborhood, my family, my church, my community, my city. And until we feel like we're measuring up in those areas of performance, we can keep pushing ourselves to the point of exhaustion to where we spend our whole lives trying to prove ourselves worthy of being capable. Or we can go to the other side and we can fall into depression from the shame we feel of never being able to hit the mark. In fact, we can even become bitter and angry to the point where we start blaming all the people around us for the reasons why we're not celebrating, why we're not reaching our goals. For example, children can become bitter toward their parents for not giving them better opportunities as a child. Parents can blame their children for robbing them of an opportunity to succeed. Husbands and wives can blame one another for holding each other back. You can blame that coworker who isn't as good as you, but has certain connections that give them the edge in the company. But what we find in Jesus is that we are freed from having to prove ourselves. In Christ, we are perfected and we are proven through the work of Jesus. What Jesus did in this moment, he did not seek to prove himself in the way the world was demanding him to do that. Satan said, if you are who you say you are, then prove it and do this miracle on my terms. But Jesus rejected that and he said no. He listened to the voice of God and he obeyed only his father's voice. He didn't need the approval of mankind by showing that he could add value to their lives by turning stones into bread. He stayed focused on his mission and through his faithful work, now those of us who live in faith in his victory can have victory over the same temptation in our lives as well. The God of creation has the greatest of loves, the greatest of all loves for his children. He finds pleasure in his children. There's no need to impress the others when God is impressed. And in Christ, we are more than pleasing to him. Last week we saw this verse, but we're going to dip back into the chapter before this, Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. We see a picture of Jesus after being baptized. It says, After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Those words we talked about last week are powerful. It's not just the same as as a child feeling loved by an imperfect father, but this is a man being spoken by the pure, holy, powerful God. This is my son in whom I am well pleased, my beloved son. And so the words that are in that moment are said to Jesus. And here's the beautiful part. When we are in Christ, those words are now said to us. Because we are partakers of that privilege to be children of God. So at this point, you don't have to prove yourself to anyone out there or to these false standards the world is putting before you to make you feel like you have to prove yourself to yourself. 
you are proven by the faultless, powerful work of Jesus. And God is pleased in you. We are proven through his work. That's number one reason for you to celebrate tonight. Number two, the second reason to celebrate is that we are who God says we are. We are who God says we are. Another temptation, and it sounds simple, but it'll make more sense. She's laughing over here. Um, It sounds simple, but it's going to be profound, I believe. I hope it is. There was a temptation that Jesus faced in this, and it was a temptation of popularity. See, the devil pointed it out. Jesus, no one's noticing how great you are, but it if you show them how great you are, what you're going to do is you're going to force God Almighty to protect you because it talks about you in the Scripture. And your popularity, Jesus, is going to soar. Look with me in the second temptation in verse 5 of chapter 4. It says, Then the devil took Jesus into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So Jesus said to him, On the other hand, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So the devil was telling him, You're so important that God himself is going to send his angels to protect you, and you want others to know this. You want them to know that you need them to know this because... You're a pretty big deal. So Jesus responded by saying, you know, the glory that comes from mankind is nothing. And it's not worth mocking God. Because mocking God to show him up is more than foolish. It is only God who has the glory. We're very tempted like Jesus was being tempted, even though he didn't fall for it. We're tempted also to care too much what other people think. Other people think. Facebook and Instagram fuel this temptation by putting buttons that say like. And in order for us to find approval from other people, we look at to see how many likes we get on the picture. Oh, I hit 50 likes or 100 likes. And so it is fueling the temptation to feel better about ourselves because other people are approving. You know, conversations can do this too. We don't have to go online. We can be so self-absorbed to the point that we only listen to other people so we can think of something clever to say in order to impress them with our response. So we pay attention to others in order to merely see if the remarks we have to them will cause them to be impressed with us. Did I make them laugh? Did they go, oh, I've never thought of that? And we feel better about ourselves because now we have impressed them. To top it off, later we review the conversation and wonder, what could I say next time that would be even better? We might even do this for good reasons. Sometimes we can feel like we have to be on and say the right things in order to give others what we perceive they need. So when we're able to help them in their problems, we feel better about ourselves. I was able to give them what they needed. And it's a slippery slope because it feels good sometimes to be needed. We can be consumed with what other, people's, other people think to the point that we are robbed of joy in our lives. And what we need to do is break free from that bondage 
and find strength in knowing what God says and not what others think. The same verse I read earlier answers our temptation to be approved by others, and it's Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So in Christ, again, we see from this verse that we are loved, we are accepted, and we bring joy to the heart of the only God of glory. Jesus didn't seek the approval and the popularity of the world the way it demanded. He listened to the word of God, and he obeyed only his voice. He didn't need the approval of people by showing how special he was. He stayed focused on the task God had for him, and his faithfulness to God gives victory to all of us who have faith in him. You know, and it's good that Jesus didn't seek the approval of the world as well, because the world is a very fickle place. Their tastes change moment to moment. One minute the world loves you, and the next minute you announce Miss Columbia as Miss Universe instead of Miss Philippines, and then they hate you and make fun of you. Is it too soon for that? So the system of the world is merciless and always changing what it finds valuable and good. Cigarettes and soda used to be thought of as great things, and now they're the cancer of our culture. So don't let the world determine who you think you are. You are who God says you are. That's worth celebrating. The third one is this. The kingdom of God never needs updated. The kingdom of God never needs updated. This has to do with possessions. So, Jesus was taken to a high mountain. He was shown all the world had to offer him. At this point, he had no reason for the world to respect him as the son of God. So he was not a rich and a powerful person, but he was a carpenter's son from a small town of Nazareth. And so Satan comes at him with this temptation. Look with me in chapter 4, verse 8. So for the third temptation, it says, Again, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to Jesus, All these things I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So Satan tried to convince Jesus to sell out. And he would give him all the world had to offer. Fame, fortune, power, all of this would be his if he would simply bow down and worship the devil. But Jesus gave up all of his power and prestige by becoming human. So you could see how this would be tempting. And instantly he could have, have, he could have everything the world has to offer if he just pledged allegiance to Satan. But he remained strong by answering the temptations of Satan with the Word of God. If you'll notice, each time, every answer Christ gave was based on the Word of God. You know, we're tempted about possessions as well. If you look around at what others have and you don't have, it's, 
what others have and what you don't have, it's easy to fall into the temptation of wanting more things. Again, Facebook and Instagram promote this temptation as we see all the good pictures and imagine the good lies of everyone else, and, but it's rarely an accurate depiction of their reality, except for our family. All we do is smile and stand in order. <laughs> It's easy for us to feel like we need more if we want to be found valuable because it's easy for us to find our value in what we own. Who has the most money? Who has the most beautiful body? Who has the most comfortable life? Your, your job, how, how are your benefits at that, your perks, your position at work, how are you esteemed in that regard? Your, your education, what school did you go to? Oh, I went to this one. You went to that one? Oh, I'm better or worse than you are. What degrees do you have? What talents and awards do you possess? We're always told that we need more. Check this out. It's estimated that 592 billion, with a B, 592 billion was spent on marketing in 2015 around the world. 592 billion dollars were spent convincing us how we need to spend our money. $592 billion were spent worldwide showing us that our lives would be better if we had this product or this service or went on this vacation. You are being tempted almost every waking hour of your life to sell out for possessions. Product placement, pop-up ads, billboards, radios, it's everywhere. You are being attacked with marketing. And there will be more money spent this next year because what was popular last year won't be popular next year. You know why? Because you can't make money doing that. And technology is advancing things at a rapid pace. By the way, if I have a ton of blank rewritable CDs I'd like to sell, if you were interested, uh, see me after service. So how do we fight this temptation of possessions? We find it in the same verse. Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. It says, And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. It's true that in Christ we have all that we should desire. It's also true that we don't always listen to the Word of God with more authority than the Word of the world. But Jesus didn't seek the value of his life the way the world demanded it. He listened to the Word of God and obeyed only his voice. He didn't need the temporary treasures of the world because he knew that he had the eternal riches of God's kingdom. So Jesus gives us a kingdom of treasure that will endure the test of time. Whatever we invest in his kingdom will not be found useless and obsolete one day. It will always be treasured. The kingdom of God never needs updated. All that Jesus had belongs to those who have faith in him. That's reason for us to celebrate. Look with me in John chapter 17, 
verse 20 through 23. Jesus is praying here to the Father, and he says, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, which are the ones that are present with him in his lifetime, but for those who also believe in me through their word, which is us. We believe through their word in Christ. So Jesus is praying for us here. He asked that they, will, uh, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. In verse 22, the glory which you, Father, have given to me, the Son, I, the Son, have given to them that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you have loved me. All of the glory of the Son is given to those who have faith in Him. If you're looking to the world for reasons to celebrate, you may or may not find reasons to celebrate. But if you're looking to the Lord Jesus as the source of your life, if He is your greatest treasure, you will always find reasons to celebrate. We don't have to feel like a hypocrite in saying that we're excited and celebrating. We can actually find excitement and joy and reasons to celebrate when we look to Christ. Consider all that we have been given in Him today. We have been proven by his, perfect, his perfected work. There's no pressure to perform or to live up to these expectations of others around us. Faith in Jesus makes us perfect in him. We are loved and treasured by God. He delights in our presence and worship. There's no reason to seek popularity that will be gone tomorrow from the world. And we have the greatest treasure possible when we possess the kingdom of God. There's no reason to sell our lives out for the temporary and ever-changing treasures of the world. So as this year closes, let's all resolve the conflict in our hearts. Let's look to Christ and see how amazing He is, how much we have to celebrate, and then let's be excited in that so that we don't have to feel like hypocrites when people say, how are you? I'm good. Because we can be good in all circumstances. Celebrate the Lord Jesus in the riches we receive when we bow down and we worship him. Let me close with a word of prayer. Our Father, you are amazing. And Lord Jesus, because of you, we have every reason to celebrate. You have conquered the temptations of this world. And even though we have fallen to them, we are forgiven by your great mercy and grace when we call upon your name. Jesus, you are the reason we can celebrate this year and next. You are the reason we can celebrate every year that we have left. You've conquered our enemy of death and sin, and you have given us glory and honor as children of God. May the world see the joy and love of Christ in our lives today. And may they, as well as us, fall down and worship you.
for the glory of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.